You're listening to Recap.fm's coverage of the Amazon Prime original miniseries, Good Omens. Today we're talking about the second episode titled, The Book. I'm JD. I'm Seal. Did you watch it? Okay, so we left off last time. Crowley and Aziraphale have a plan. And the plan is to help the Antichrist be a normal person so that Armageddon doesn't happen and they get to stay on Earth, which is where they prefer to be. Correct. They don't want to be in heaven, nor do they want to be in hell. They just, you know, they like where they are. They like the pleasures of the world. Well, and they don't want to stop existing either. Right. And none of their superiors know about the plan because they don't even know that they're friends with each other. And I like the recurring theme that we see, like, nobody's going to check. They just want to hear that something happened. They're not going to check the details. They're not going to see if what we really said happened, happened. They just want to hear this kind of stuff. And once they hear it, they're fine. So let's just do what we say we're going to do, or not do what we're going to say we're going to do, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Home office just, you know, wants the report, and that's all they want. Yeah. However, the apocalypse has actually started because Adam named his dog, which means, you know, Armageddon is on the way. Yes. And we see the beginnings of it uh, at the beginning of this episode where we meet the first of the four horsemen, War. In quite a scene. It is quite a scene. They're signing a peace treaty and this war reporter, who you can tell really loves war. Like, yes. she could barely contain herself. She She's is just eaten do, up with joy, doing the this. hair touching and like, mm-hmm. oh, like uh, it's great that you're here to to photo op this opportunity. And she's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. That's what I want to happen. Sure. Yeah. And the parcel man. <laughs> we meet the we meet the international express or whatever delivery guy. Right. And he delivers her a sword, and the sword is her cue that oh oh it's on now. Yeah. Things have started. Finally. Finally. I've been here so long, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And now that it's here, I'm so excited. And the the peace treaty that's being signed, it falls apart because they're fighting over who gets to sign the treaty first, which is a funny thing to fight over. But it seems like an actually totally legitimate thing that people would fight over. Sure. Like, if you're going to be petty and you have someone there whose whole job is to make you want to fight... Yeah, I'd want to sign first. Be like, oh, look at me. I'm first. I'm the one who was really peaceful. Yeah. Well, and clearly her presence has agitated everyone. She obviously carries something with her in her wake. Yeah. War. War. She carries you can't war. Have a I mean, that's war. her name. You can't have war without war. Yeah. Yeah. We learn that later. And then a big part of this episode, too, is also meeting the rest of the characters. So we're going to talk about them a little bit before we get... There's not a lot of story development. In this one. That's kind of a filler. It's but more it's, of an introduction. It's like, yeah. it's, it could have had a two hour episode one where we meet everybody, but they just split up the introduction yeah. stories. We get you a whole introduction to the overall story of Good Omens, and now we're meeting the players, and the next few episodes are going to be the story. So let's start off with I think we should go back to the last witch burning, and then yes. we can go from there. So, um, what was her name? Agnes Nutter. Agnes Nutter. The last witch to be burned in the world. Oh, um, well, at least in England. At least in England. And she has written a book, which we're going to learn a lot about later. But the book is called The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which. So she knows 
that she's about to be burned at the stake by Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery Pulsifer. Witchfinder Major. Witchfinder Major. In the Witchfinder Army. Right. And so he shows up, and they're going to burn her at the stake, and she's like, you're late. I should have been set aflame ten minutes ago. Because she's able to predict the future. She knows exactly what's going to happen. Right. Certain prophecies, and what we learned about her book is the prophecies that she actually writes in her book come to be true. Like she even, an apple that cannot be eaten, you should buy because it's going to change the world, which means buy Apple stock when it's new and you're going to make a lot of money. So as she's being burned at the stake, she has everyone come in close, come in close, come in even closer and watch me burn. And she set a trap for them. Her pockets were full of gunpowder and nails. And nails. So all these people who are burning her at the stake, she has the last laugh. She wasn't afraid to be burned at the stake, but she has the last laugh and kills them all with her homemade nail bomb. Yeah, which roofing can, nails. Roofing nails, yeah. That'd be devastating. I'm talking 17th century roofing nails. Yes. I mean, you see those things in the history books, they're like spikes. And the gunpowder back then, not super refined, so I bet it burned and exploded. It exploded good. Yeah. A lot of smoke, a lot of burning. Yeah. So we meet in present, almost present day, the descendants of the main players in that. We meet Anathema Device, who is a descendant of Agnes Nutter, and they have a copy of the book. The Nice and Accurate Prophecies. The only copy of the, the book. The only copy of the book to be sold, ever. And they're able to, they're, they, what they do as a family is they memorize all the prophecies. So if they're the one who's alive when the time comes for them to use the prophecies, they know how to respond and how to use the prophecies for their own benefit to prevent disaster from happening. Yes. Basically prevent the apocalypse. Yes. And then we also meet Newton Pulsifer. A mm-hmm. descendant of Thou Shall Not Commit Adultery, Pulsifer. And he has a problem with technology. A big problem. A big problem. Like, he tries to repair a computer as a child, and it shuts off the power grid. To the whole neighborhood. And then it follows him through to adulthood, to where he starts his first day at a new job. He's like, I just need to hit enter, and then I'll, you'll have my attention. And when he does, it shuts down the whole power grid again. I mean, because he even asked, he's like, is there any way someone could print this out and I'll do it on paper and then y'all could enter it back in the computer? Because I'm just not good with computers. But after losing his job, his brand new job, he meets the current witch hunter Sergeant Shadwell, who looks like a raving loon. He's standing out preaching on a corner, um... Saying, you know, preaching doom and gloom. You know why? who these people are? Why you can't see them? Oh, no one responds? That's because you know it's true. It's the witches. And uh, it looks comes off a bit crazy. He does. He comes off a bit, a lot crazy, actually. It looks like a, you know, homeless, the end is nigh. I mean, he's got a sign, <laughs> yeah. you know, the end is nigh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he, he, he looks the part, right. shall we say. So he orders a tea with seven sugars. <laughs> seven sugars Which in is a, a cup of tea. That's a lot of sugar for one cup of tea. I love the bit. Where he, they meet and they're talking. He's like, "Yeah, hey, you want to get a tea? And they walk over and he's like, get your wallet. Yeah. yeah. First meeting's no time to, you yeah. know. You don't want to appear so tight-fisted. You don't want to appear tight-fisted the first time you meet somebody. Yeah. And then he keeps the change. Yeah, of course he does. I just loved it. Yeah, because this dude may be a witch hunter, but he's also a, a bit, bit of a grifter. A bit of a grifter. A bit of a... A long con. He's got to make a dollar. Yeah. 
So those are the new characters that we meet, and they're going to play a big role going forward. So let's get back to the main story. Aziraphale and Crowley go to the nunnery to figure out what went wrong with the baby switch. They're like, something had to have gone wrong. Let's go check the hospital records and see what happened to the other baby, and then we'll be able to find him. And once we find him, maybe we can fulfill our plan, which is to stop him from creating Armageddon. And they get to the nunnery, and it's no longer a nunnery. Oh, no. Because the nunnery was burned by uh, Crowley's fellow demons. Which we, we saw at the end of the last episode. Right. So now it's basically, they're like playing paintball. It's awesome. Which is, yeah, I love paintball. And as a corporate retreat, like going and shooting each other with paintball guns, sign me up. And they even even call it out. Like, in, they, isn't it in the voiceover or something about, you know, they just it's an excuse to go light up the people you don't like in the other office. Absolutely. Which it totally is. Yeah, interdepartment. I mean, because it's department versus department. If you wanted to really do team building, you would put people from different departments on one team. Exactly. But no, no, no. It's like, we're going to have accounting versus purchasing, and then we'll see what happens. See who really is the best department. It's not a best business model that I've ever seen. No. So they get to the nunnery, and uh, Sister Loquacious works at this new place, not as a nun. And yeah, she, they, like she kind of runs the place. Right. Crowley recognizes her immediately and she recognized him. She's like, Oh Lord, it's master Crowley. And of course he freezes her and uh, Aziraphale does not approve, no. but they ask her the questions and the questions lead them to not very many answers. No. Because the baby got switched. He's supposed to be with the American diplomat. That's what we thought. Who knows what happened? Well, she this, thought she's doing the right thing the whole time. Right. And this other sister is the one who did the baby switch, and that sister's now not here. Yeah. So, oh, cool. We're at another dead end. That's wonderful. And then you start to hear real gunfire in the background. Right. Because Aziraphale switched some of the paintball guns to real guns. Crowley. That's right. Crowley does that. And he's like, yeah, that's what they wanted anyway. They wanted real guns. They're not going to actually kill each other, though, because what's the fun in that? This will be a bunch of narrow escapes that are really amazing to watch because it's just more entertaining. Well, yeah. Because if they actually killed each other, that would really kind of be a problem. Really kind of be a problem. Might draw attention. Yeah. So Anathema has also come to England to find um, the Antichrist. To stop the apocalypse. And she's staying in the village where Adam lives. And she even meets him. Yeah. Randomly. Not kind of. Not not exactly. She thinks it's random. Yeah. But she thinks all her divining and all the, the her little witch radar or whatever that she's using is jacked up. Yeah. And it kind of is because his signal's so strong. Right. But it does lead her right to him. But she's like, it's just a bunch of kids in a tree fort. Right. Nobody understands what he's actually going to look like. Like, well. Not nobody, the angels and the demons do, but humans that are trained to find these people don't understand no. what he looks like. And so they have a pleasant interaction. The, the kids are a little nuts. They're trying to play witch hunter and you like burn them at the stake. And Adam is clearly the leader of this group of misfit toys, but they're cute little kids that are just out playing and having fun. And Anathema's like, okay, cool. Nice talking to you. I'm going to go ahead and go. And so later, after Aziraphale and Crowley leave the nunnery, they actually hit her while she's riding on her bike. Because Crowley, he is, drives like a madman. He's a terrible driver. I mean, there's times they're like, ah, he, they're in the street. They they know what they're doing. They took their life into their own hands. So they hit her, knock her off their bike, and she survives. And she realizes something is kind of weird because uh, Aziraphale 
puts a bike rack on Crowley's car, fixes her bike and puts uh, speeds on it, right? Like, Yeah, puts gears on it. Makes it like a 10-speed. And she's like, I know my, my bike didn't have gears. Um, but eventually they get it to the, the right way that she remembers, and they drop her off. And when they get back in the car, they realize that she's left a book. And not just any book, it's the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. And when Aziraphale sees that, he just about loses his mind. Right. And Curly's like, what's up? He goes, oh, nothing, 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 nothing. I'm right. going to go now. Bye. Because he is he's collects prophecy books. And this one, they've led us to believe, and they make sure that it's clear, this is the holy grail of prophecy books. Because one reason, it's accurate. But second, is there's n- nobody ever sold any, and the publisher destroyed all the copies, which would have been all of them. Yeah. So this is just like the author's copy that they sent Agnes. Like, hey, look, here's your book. Isn't this nice? Right. How beautiful. And so he's jazzed, to say the least. And he sits down and reads it. And the first prophecy is about him, mm-hmm. about an angel reading the prophecy and his cocoa getting cold. And like you're like, oh, geez. And he's like, cocoa, what? And he looks over and there's this mug of cocoa. Mm-hmm. And it's, getting, it's getting cold. It's not steaming anymore. Right. So that confirms, hey, this book is really accurate. This book knows what it's talking about. And he uses that information to find the location in the name of the Antichrist, Adam Young. And he dials the number 666 with the area code for the village. And Adam Young's dad answers. And he's like, sorry, right number. Hangs up. And that's where the episode ends. So we've met all the players now. And hopefully... I mean, great casting, great acting. Oh, they've nailed the casting. Yeah. Everybody's just spot on perfect, I think. Yeah. And I, I like this new trend where, like, big damn actors are fine doing, like, little miniseries and, like, really digging into yeah. a role. It's been, it's been good. So that's where that section ends. And so we've got plenty more to talk about. But we're going to get into our philosophical discussion at this point. I want to talk about Shadwell. Let's talk about Shadwell. He's a very interesting character to me. He's clearly, he's a bit of, as we said before, a grifter. Yes. Um, and we see that throughout his arc. Um, spoilers. Um, spoilers. <laughs> I, okay. Full disclosure, I've seen the whole series. I don't think JD has, but I have because I couldn't stop myself. Yeah, I have not, and, and I did that on purpose. And it's very, it, yeah, I meant to just watch one episode at a time, and then I didn't. I'll but you. I'll anyway, you. so this Shadwell character, mm-hmm. interesting dude. So they set him up as if he is a little bit shady and perhaps a bit of a con man, but he also, at least right here, he seems to believe what he's selling he's buying what he's he's buying his own product here Mm -hmm. what do you think about that is he what's going on here is he just so good at the con that he's that good at selling it or do you think he really believes like do you think he's really leading young pulsiver down this path of crazy stuff and they are really going to try and save the world that's an interesting question i i think maybe he did believe it at one point, but he doesn't know. Now he's been doing it so long, he doesn't know how to do anything else. And he he will try to convince anybody he can for a little while and get as much use as he can out of this person until they realize that it's a bunch of 
malarkey, and then they'll leave and he'll have to find someone else new. But if you can find someone at the right moment who's gullible and is looking, maybe he'll be able to take advantage of that. So I think, I think maybe he did believe it, but I don't know that I believe that he still believes it. It's just kind of who he is and what he's known for so long. Okay. I, I tend to agree. Yeah. Up to a point. I think he definitely did believe it. I think he still kind of does, but I think what he's doing is what he has to, to stay afloat. Yeah. I think he's, I think he still believes in the cause. He still thinks he's fighting this righteous cause, but there ain't no money in it. <laughs> There's certainly not any money and, in witch hunting. Yeah, and I can imagine. To him, it's probably a full-time thing, and he's got to do what he's got to do to keep the thing afloat. So, sure. you know, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, You start definitely. to make compromises. Compromise is a principle. And I think he's done that for so long when that I, this, this kind of con-grifting thing has come second nature to him, and he's just I – th- I think he's equally – both, if that's yeah. possible. I would agree. And you can see people compromising their beliefs and morals. All the main characters kind of doing that throughout the show, especially like Aziraphale and even Crowley. Like, we talked last time about how there's so much gray for both of them and like, who's really good, who's really bad. And it starts to really see more and more of that, especially in the next episode, which I have watched. But there's a lot of gray and it's you can see both sides with the main characters, with their bosses, they're one way or the other. But it's interesting to see um, people kind of compromise their morals and kind of walk the middle ground a little bit when you'd think that people on those sides wouldn't have any middle ground. It's either all or nothing is what you would kind of assume. That's yeah, what you would hope for, you know, in your, in your, your heroic character, so to speak in the, in the good guys. Yeah. But I mean, Life isn't always that way, though. No, it's not at all. So, I mean, we are fallen beings. Yippers. And have our own foibles and whatnot. Truly. So, the um, let's talk about Shadwell's neighbor. Okay. <laughs> she is delightful. She is. Delightfully funny. And I love their relationship. She has a, she's a bit of a shady character. Madam Tracy. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she's got a few of her own little... Griffs and, um, shall we say, um, questionable <laughs> occupation, uh, yeah. occupational things going on. Because when Pulsifer shows up, he's like, I'm responding to the advert. And she lists down like four or five different ones, mm-hmm. none of them which are particularly wonderful. And, you know, but I mean, to each their own, if that's how you want to make a living, that's up to you. But it's just funny. He's like, no, that's that's not it. That's not it either. No, had nothing to do that. I'm here responding to uh, the witch army, the witch hunters. Oh, oh yes. Okay. And then we get the knock on the door, and yeah. he, you hear Shadwell screaming, harlot, and all this stuff. Get and, out of here, harlot. And she, she, it just rolls off, it rolls off her back. And yeah. she's like, okay, I'll, I'll, may, I'll bring two cups of tea over. And, oh, I got a, I got a liver for Sunday. It's going to be great. And just treating him like a normal friendly they're like they're buddies they're good friends they have sunday dinner all the time and he's mm-hmm. like be gone with you yeah get thee behind me yeah it's funny to see her and and this begs the question too about shadwell like does he really believe it because you know when other people are around he's very mean to her but i bet whenever pulsifer leaves they're perfectly fine good friends hang out watch soaps together you know stuff like that 
Yeah, they seem to have a. There seems to be some kind of a friendship there. Yeah, definitely. So I'll be interested to see if we get to see that develop on the screen. Yeah, throughout this because I mean we only have a few episodes. Yeah, there's so, only five episodes. I mean, it's total. a five episode show. Yeah, six so, episodes. Six episodes. Yeah, yeah, so six episodes. And uh, so it, it's I'm I'm curious to see which uh, relationships they develop and which they kind of let you know fall by the wayside for mm-hmm. lack of a better for lack of a better word. Right. I had a question. Sure. With the prophecy books that are super accurate, do you think that anything can change? Like, because we've, there's always these questions in time travel movies. Like, can you change the future? Is your future written? Is it, if someone predicts what's going to happen, does that mean that's absolutely what's going to happen? And the fact that her prophecies are so accurate are cool and everything, but does that mean that they're actually actually going to happen and there's no other way around it? Mm. Or are they perhaps in some ways self-fulfilling? Uh, right. Because when she wrote them, talking about not buying Betamax or, you know... Who's Betamax? Who's Betamax? Or, you know, or buying Mac stock and things yeah. like that. Like cool and everything that she was able to do that but does that mean that everything that she's written is actually gonna happen or is there any way to change well we've been okay i think the answer to that question in the context of this show is simple Mm -hmm. they all come true because we were straight up told yeah in our everything about in our voiceover we're, we're, we're told at one point early in this episode that every single thing she predicts is correct yeah so in the context of this show, yeah, it's yes. all right. But, you know, obviously, um, if we want to get a little existential and go outside that, <laughs> yeah, um, I think a lot of prophecies do become self-fulfilling. Yeah, in, absolutely. And uh, um, if you're a biblical scholar, as I am, you know that, I mean, I, 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 come, I come to that. And this is where I said it last time that I, you know, these kinds of shows I have a little bit of a problem with and I have to work around them and just enjoy the show. Sure. Sure. There's prophecy that is absolutely accurate. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot that is just garbage. Right. Right. So, and then some things can just same can, as we say, become self-fulfilling because if you, you just get so obsessed with it and think on it for so long that you reason yourself into well, there's no other choice right. than to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So, but that's true. But for the, I, th- I think, but for so for this show, for this yes, show, going to become true. But yeah, I think that's a concrete thing that we can hold on to. Yeah. Is that is that is a that is a thing that is an anchor point for the show that if the book says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But it's not reality. Prophecies that are written aren't yeah. always going to happen. Right. I get you. One thing I did find frustrating about this episode is that there wasn't a lot of Adam. I mean, we got a little bit about his relationship with his parents, mm-hmm. where they're like, he's so nice and peaceful when he's asleep. And just when he's asleep, and it's kind of like, who? I thought maybe these parents would turn out to be better than they maybe are, because there's there's hints that they're not the best parents, and they don't care much for their kid, you know? Like... In this episode, they're like, oh, this 11-year-old is just really, really tough to deal with, and I'm glad that he's sleeping and I can, you know, get a break from him. Well, to be fair, most 11-year-olds I've met <laughs> are a bit of a handful. Yeah, but even as, the, like, I have an 11-year-old, and he's a handful, but I would never say, oh, God, I'm glad he's asleep, <laughs> you know? I, I wouldn't do that. 
I'm just not. It's not how you're wired. No. So, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I think that they're that they love their kid. Yeah, they're just not the most skilled. I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way: they're not the most skilled parents. Yeah, they're not. They're not bringing their A game. No, they're not at all. They're and let him handle himself and take yeah. care of himself. All right. Well, now it's time for us to speculate wildly, which seems unfair for Seal since he's seen the whole show. But no, I'm going to have to just lie. <laughs> just, lie. just lie through my just teeth. Just lie. You know, which I was doing last last episode, by the way. And I'd already seen the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, my, my speculation, I'd, I think, I'm starting to think that Armageddon is going to happen, but not in a way that we expect. I do think that there's going to be a big Armageddon-type event or Armageddon-type something. I don't know if that means the end, if it's going to be the war to end all wars, which is what the angels and the demons think is going to happen. But I do think something very significant is going to happen, but I don't know what that's going to be. Is that a cop-out or is that? No, because it's absolutely not a cop-out. Because we don't know. We don't really have any clear indication of what is going to happen. We just know that something is re the introduction of war. So right. I I went off last week a little bit about well, how's this little kid going to bring about Armageddon? Right. Well, it appears he is going to have help. Yes. So we've seen war, so I assume that we are going to see the other three horsemen. Yeah. What are they? Famine. Famine, pestilence, and, and death. And, and death. Yeah. Yeah. Death eventually. Yeah. 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 So clearly, he will have help right and he's now. Got his hellhound, what, and he's got the hell. What's going to be interesting is, is he going to be the person calling the shots, or are they just going to try and do something on his behalf? It's true, and I can't wait to see them all in the same room together. If that is in fact where we're going, yeah, that would so, be interesting to see. But yeah, this think, little eleven-year-old kid with these thousand-year-old horsemen that have been wreaking havoc in the world for centuries, for mm-hmm. millennia. That'll yeah, be interesting. Yeah, at think. his beck and call, right? Which could be. Kind of scary because eleven year olds are not always rational. That's true. That's so true. That that now it's now from episode one to episode two. Now I've gone to okay. Now I feel like I can be worried about this kid, right? Because Definitely. okay, now he's got. There's clearly um, a method for him to cause problems. Yeah. Interesting. It'll be fun to see what happens. I'm excited to see the next few episodes now that we've met everybody and things are really starting to take off. Um, we do not have any reviews this week, but that's okay. We are on iTunes now. So if you want to subscribe to us on iTunes and like to leave us a review there, we'd be more than happy to read it and tell you thank you and any constructive criticism you have. We'd be more than happy to take it and use it in future episodes. If you don't want to leave us a review, you can always follow us on Twitter. My Twitter's at RealJDLee. I am at Seal Adams. That's S-E-A-L-E. A-D-A-M-S. And you can always follow our network uh, Twitter, which is at RecapFM. Also, uh, get to our website, Recap.FM, and join our mailing list. Uh, We will send out, not super regular, but emails every now and then uh, talking about shows and news that we think you'd be interested in. So go over to Recap.FM, get on our mailing list, and check out all our other shows. We've got multiple podcasts on current television, so maybe you'll find one that you didn't know we had, and you can listen to those. And we will see you next time.